Isn't it great? Sometimes we go through life and then there's an unexpected pushback and you realize it's not exactly persecution. It's a tiny bit persecution, but mostly it's like, okay, I was a jerk. And uh, (laughs) it's just good to keep perspective, right? Okay. So I have a, I, I feel like we are in, we're in a, an opportune moment here and so many things are changing that, um, and, and while we may, you know, if, if we're following the, the media that's everywhere, you may think, we may, you may think like we're getting pushed back, but in reality, with the pushback is coming amazing breakthroughs in place after place after place. Uh, you know, like uh, in Arkansas, they passed a law that said abortion is a felony offense. Um, and, I mean, on and on, you know, all these states have passed heartbeat laws and things. And so we're, you know, we could just quote that old 1960s prophet Bob Dylan say, the times they are a changing and they may not be changing the way that everyone thinks they are. So, back to what I thought was happening in, you know, somewhere in January, February, I was just lamenting. I woke up in the night, and I've told this before, almost in a fetal position, just crying out for the nation, for children, for, for the babies being born, what kind of culture are they going to grow up in, and all this stuff in the Lord. And, and so, somewhere in there, I said, God, you know, do you have something to tell me? You know, like, and, and he said these words, awake, arise, count it all joy, no eye is seen. And then he said, and the eyes of the Lord. You know, so God often, he just gives me like the beginning of the phrase because he knows I have limited attention. And, uh, but it, and it reverberates, you know, it's sort of fun. It's like clues, you know. And, uh, and so we've, I, I've been addressing this on a, on awaking, you know, awake, um, awake, it's time to awake, all that stuff, arise and shine, Isaiah 60. Uh, and then uh, the last time I spoke, we, we kind of dove into counting it all joy and, and uh, you know, looked at James. I love James 1 too. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, this is just like, yes, I'm good with that. You know, and, and, I'm, and this is... This is the way the kingdom is applied internally and gets released externally. Count, the, the term count there is a governmental term. It means you make it joy. You determine its joy. You bring order into the chaos until it's joyful. You rearrange your perspective and mental processing and emotions until it's all joy. So see, it's, I mean, it's like you could just spend your life on one verse and you'd still get to the, the Christ being formed in you. And no doubt you would want more verses than one. Okay, so count it all joy. Last time we, we looked at Romans 5, spent a couple uh, weeks on Romans 5, first, you know, one week on verses 1 and 2, the, ne- the last time I spoke on verses 3, 4, and 5, that, that we are not of this world. You know, that's why we have to eat supernatural food. You know, that's why the, the breaking of bread, the, the Eucharist, the, 
Holy Communion, the Lord's Table, is central to our, our growth, our vitality, our Christianity. It brings, there's a, the presence of God in worship that, we, that is, fuels us, inspires us, changes our perspective, gets it's solidified in this reception that he presented his body a sacrifice for us. And though, so we find like Romans 12, you know, there I appeal to you, brethren, that you present your bodies living sacrifice, and, and which is the holy, acceptable, this is your, your reasonable service, your reasonable, this is true worship. So he gave himself, we give ourselves. And in this point of communion, we solidify with every believer in every nation and in every age the, the reality of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, yay, it's all good. Okay, so going on. We rejoice in our sufferings, Romans 5.3, tiny bit of review, knowing that nothing is useless. Suffering produces endurance, hope, the development of character, the development of character and hope gets poured out in our hearts. The Holy Spirit pours love, hope doesn't disappoint and we have a Holy Spirit outpouring in our lives. And so when we hit suffering, rather than, than just feeling self-pity, which is, you know, in abundant supply all around us, but it, rather than going into self-pity, we renew our mind, we get transformed, and we realize this is good news because this is going to make me stronger. This is gonna produce in me endurance, that gritty courage of the soldier in battle who never quits. You know, that's what endurance is. It's not just like, oh, yeah, can't do anything about it, no. We never stop fighting. You know, we go out in worship. You know, <laughs> you know we, 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 you know, whether we live or die, it's for God's glory. This is endurance. And endurance, that, that continual practice of endurance transforms our character into the character of Christ, which releases a, a hope that cannot be disappointed because he's the God of all hope and then out of that Holy Spirit outpouring and the world cannot resist those who are born of God. Okay, hallelujah. Okay, so that's my little take on that. But I want to, anyway, as thinking about in order to stand in the pushback because when pushback occurs and so it, when, you know, there's an unexpected advancing of God's agenda in this moment. And so there's pushback. There's pushback that people may run into all over the place. People get deplatformed. Off People, uh, you know, their jobs are threatened. Their, you know, their lives are threatened. All kinds of things that I'm aware of, along with the testimonies of doctors. We've never seen anything like this. We have no explanation. Is, is this 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 moment in time where there's pushback, and I'm just saying we should get excited, <laughs> although nobody, you know, just in their normal life gets excited about pushback. You know, this is reality. It's painful. It's emotionally, you know, something you have to process. But, but so I want to 
that I, I was seeking the Lord, say, God, just how can we be ready for this, this season we're in of pushback and, you know, great, glorious victories, you know? And because ready or not, the pushback will come, you know? So we need to develop some virtues in our lives, you know? And we need to be clear on our, you know, what it is, not just what we believe on Sunday, but what our worldview is, how we see life, you know, which is different than how the culture around us sees life. And we have to realize that when you got translated from the king, the dominion of darkness, and you were, you were transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love, that you became a new creature, that the old is past, but, you know, we're sort of like unformed until Christ is formed in us. So the virtues that we need. Okay, this is, um, I'll put these, here's, here's the first virtue I, I think that we should pursue because virtues are strengths of character that are developed through deliberate uh, pursuit. It's a fearless love that's worthy of the gospel. And, and we, you have to realize we're surrounded by we're surrounded by false worldviews. You know, the, 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 there's like the issue of what's really real, like what's at the basis of reality. So there's this materialistic naturalism, which was, you know, part of, of the modern, it grew out of the rational movement of the 16th century into modernity, this whole confidence in technology that it was gonna make the world better. But at the basis of that is that the entire universe is nothing but matter and energy. That E equals MC squared is the end of the story. And so, you know, evolution and all, you know, the evolutionary theory of Charles Darwin and all of these things that, that just get put out continually and you were exposed to it. If you're my age or, or younger, you were exposed to it in your education unless you were homeschooled, which is amazing, um, which I wasn't, you know. So th this, was all, this becomes like a religious worldview that explains everything. But on top of this modern naturalistic worldview, our, our culture, especially in the last 30 years, has embraced a, a incoherent, I mean, a worldview that's actually incoherent with modernism, but it's blended together of, it's, philosophers call it postmodernity, postmodernism, but it's basically, here's a good way to understand it, it's like create your own reality. You know, so if I think I'm something, that's who I am. And now this is actually like a religious ideology that's being enforced through laws or, or attempting to be enforced through laws. And so, but the reality is, it, it, but we're not of either modernism or postmodernism. We're not of materialism or this kind of self-centered subjectivism that I have my truth, you have your truth, and we just need to live with it. But we have been delivered out of that into a reality that is built on, you could call it Trinitarian theism if you wanna have a ism to it, but it's that before anything was created, there existed a communion of loving, powerful, perfect, brilliant, good persons who were all God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and out of his overflow, he created all things. 
out of pleasure, out of goodness, and now by virtue of the, inc- and so the, the height of his creation, of course, was the human being that was meant to bear his image, which got totally messed up, but God rescued us. Ha! By sending his son who became a God-man and still is God-man and becomes the God-man and becomes our mediator and our entrance. He's the way, he's the truth, and he is eternal life. He's the life that he becomes the entrance, he's the door, (laughs) into a communion with the ultimate reality of the universe, which is the loving and glorious, joyful communion of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit who live forever in love and joy and and in and out of each other as this kind of glorious dance, you know? And, and Jesus brings us into it, so not only is the basis of reality a, commu- a loving communion of brilliant, powerful, good persons, but through virtue of our salvation, we're invited to live in that as members of it. This is why communion, this is why partaking of body and blood is so central to our faith and our growth and it, I mean, and he invites us in it. And this is why worship is, you know, that is the fuel. It's worship is the environment in which heaven and earth are joined together in our hearts, in our minds, that we're transformed, that, you know, people in, in, in true worship, we forget about our car, we forget about our World of Warcraft, or we forget about the modern and the postmodern things that are all around us and we just come to him and it's part of our transformation. That's why, and then I thought, thought about it that we, you know, from the beginning, I mean, this is kind of before all this postmodernity whacked us, but I, I remember when Ann and I came to the Lord, it was worship, it was the tangible presence of the Lord that appeared in a living room full of young you know, teenagers and people in their early 20s, people singing scripture choruses on guitars, and there was something there that even in my pagan, you know, pantheistic evolutionary worldview, I could sense his presence. And, and so around the world, there is, there's a, you know, the church is expanding, and it's amazing because worship becomes again central to the expansion of the church and the sanctification of his people. But worship without, without the deliberate, you know, the disciplines to develop Christ in us, to renew our mind, will not do the full trick. So, just saying, you know. That, so, so, all of that being said, this is a background to this virtue of developing a fearless love worthy of the gospel. I would say probably it's a rare person that has that fearless love who is not sort of halfway inebriated with the joyful presence of God. You know, and most, most martyrs who give their lives, and I've seen a few photos of people at the point of martyrdom, in, in, especially while ISIS was, 
was, you know, decimating Syria and Iraq. And it, as, as, there was this one photo I'll never forget. There's a guy, they marched him out to the end of a crane and they were gonna shoot him or something like that. And he's a Christian and he's standing there and there's a radiant joy on his face because he knows that at the end of this hour, he will be standing in the presence of perfect love. That his life won't end, his, the container of his life will change, the location of his life will change, but he'll be closer than ever. And I'm just saying, you know, it's, years ago, Andy Bird came here, Andy and Sean showed up before Sean moved here for a season that, that and they said, hey, we, you know, we started this, uh, this little expression of YWAM called Fire and Fragrance, and our whole thing is to do missions out of worship out of the presence of God. And they said, we visited all these famous places and we think this is the perfect place to plant our first non-Kona expression of fire and fragrance. And so we, you know, we said, come on, do it. You know, it's just, but it's always been who we are. It's always been who we are. And it was who Ann and I, Ann and I had this in our DNA in the, you know, in the, beginning of our salvation, just put it that way. And I just pray, God, that it would continue to fill us and fuel us. We wanna be prepared with a, and we wanna develop this virtue of fearless love worthy of the gospel. I love this passage in Philippians 1. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Man, you could ponder that. You know, you could ponder that. You could say, how have I lived the last 24 hours? How have I lived the last seven days? How have I lived the last 30 days? How have I lived the last year, the last decade of my life? Has it been worthy of the gospel? And, if, if, and, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, so he convicts us, like he'll point out, like, you know, you should change that. I can think of a few times where I wasn't happy. I heard the Holy Spirit say, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, bummer. I wanted to, you know, because it was something that I thought was good. And maybe it wasn't, it wasn't like evil, but it just wasn't good for me. And so, thank you. Like, you know, most of the time I obeyed because how can we say we love him if we don't obey him? <laughs> you know, so thank you, Lord. And uh, so how's our life worthy of, of the gospel? I mean, obedience is one of the ways, but listen to this. So that whether I come to you and see you or an absent, and Paul's writing this from prison, from perhaps the Mamertine dungeon underneath Nero's palace, it's, which is, is a mind-boggling picture. Whether I come to you and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. And so this is a primary virtue of a life that's worthy of the gospel, that we stand firm in one spirit with, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Standing firm, some translations say, as one man. You know, so this is, so part of the virtue of a, of a, of a, of a courageous love is that we, we deliberately work at identifying with each other and with the whole body of Christ. That, you know, of course we differ, with, we, I differ with my friends on 
theological, some theological issues. Most of them aren't like massive. A few of them I think are very important. But I love my friends. You know, I love the gospel. I love the Orthodox Church. I love the Roman Catholic Church. I love the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians. I love them. I love the body of Christ. And wherever there are believers, because there are believers in, in every group, then we are one with them in purpose and in intention that we're striving, we're in a battle, we're striving and standing side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not just faith as, as like a power, but faith in, defined as a doctrinal basis for the good news. Okay, so that's good, isn't it? Now, but here's, so that's, you know, that's, a virtue, but here's the courage part, verse 28. This has to be one of my favorite verses in my whole life. Not frightened in anything. Now, the, the, I'm working on that, the anything part. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. I think in the NIV it says, this, this is a clear sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved. Do you understand that the enemy operates in intimidation and when you're not intimidated, so being not intimidated doesn't mean you're not aware that this is scary. It just means you don't give ground. You don't turn around and retreat. You stand your ground. It's scary. They go, oh no, we're, we're losing this battle because they're, they're like psyops. You know, they, their main thing is to deceive us and scare us. And if we could see them, I mean, Isaiah has this, this little statement about, about the day when, when the enemy, the, the devil, whoever you want to call him, is seen by us in light of eternity, and, and the nations will say, is this the one that deceived us? You know, like, ah, we got rooked. You know, we got, well, that was a con job for sure. Anyway, so this is my prayer, that you would not be frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. Now, you might not be knowing it, but you're scaring them. <laughs> and your salvation, that from God. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, not only that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now we find out that suffering produces an outpouring of love and the Holy Spirit power. Okay, so just quickly. So step, that's, so the first virtue is a fearless love worthy of the gospel. And it's just, God, give us that, that 24 hour a day sense of your presence that we, there would always be this, this, this measuring, this criterion, how am I doing? Am I living a life worthy of the gospel? The glorious gospel that God died for me, that he died for you, that he's given us access to every blessing in heavenly places. Come on. Okay, second one, a reasonable courage. Okay, that's not just like raw courage, but it's a reasonable courage. So we're living, I mean, I just want to declare, we're living in a season 
of unmasking. You know, and it's, I mean, there, there's a spiritual reality to this that there is an attempt of the evil one to mask the, the faces and the identity and the smiles and the nuances of people, of human beings, the image of God, and of the body of Christ in particular. And there's just a season of unmasking as the masks come off, more masks will come off. <laughs> You know, and there will be exposures of things that we can't even imagine, and I don't know what they are, but First uh, Peter 3, it's amazing. The whole New Testament was written in the context of persecution going on. So that's why Peter in chapter 5 says, don't think it's a, you know, don't think it's a strange thing. All right, First Peter 3 says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. This is just Kind of almost like what Paul was saying, right? Almost like what Jesus is saying. Verse nine, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called, so that you may obtain or inherit a blessing, because that's your inheritance. And so I just got that in every situation, you can keep your mind, and in our response would always be to bless. Even if people are reaming us out, even if somebody's telling us you're the biggest jerk they ever met, that, in your, that there's something inside you that says, just stand there, just listen. There may be some truth in it. But your response is to bless. Out of that, to bless. Not to repay evil with evil, but good. Okay, and then, and then he quotes um, Psalm 34, whoever desires it to love life and see good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord, there's the eyes of the Lord. That was the fifth word. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's why we don't have to be against those who do evil. We're the bridge, we're, the, we're making the plea, be reconciled with God. Verse 13, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Well, there are some people out there, but we're not afraid of them. <laughs> but even, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed, have no fear of them, nor be, ter- nor be troubled. There's that same admonition. So here it is, the, the verse I wanna zero in on is, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so this, I mean, this is, there's a whole lot in this um, verse, and you can read, you can read the, the rest of the passage, but to honor the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. Now, do you understand prepared means you have prepared? Now, there may be a few people in here who are survivalists, and you have bug out bags and, and all that, and you have gun safes and food storage and all that, and I, I, you know, just pray and do what the Lord tells you. Okay, that's my opinion on that. But, I, but we're all called to be prepared, to give a reason for the hope that is within us, to make a defense. This is, and when it says make a defense, it doesn't mean be defensive. 
Like, yeah, well, you think, no. It means make a rational, coherent argument for the hope that lies within you. And not using argument as argumentative, but argument like the argument in a debate, a discussion, a, a book that's written. Like, so write this stuff into your memory, like why it is that you have this hope within you so that you can present it, not in trembling, not in fear, not in defensiveness, but with, with, with a clarity and a humility that is hard to assail. And, and, and I saw a great example of this, this last week. Uh, uh, Tanner Cross was a teacher in Leesburg, Virginia, and he was, he was suspended by the school board for refusing to teach and, and to accommodate the transgender agenda. I wanna show this video of him standing before the school board with humility and grace. My name is Tanner Cross and I'm speaking out of love for those who suffer with gender dysphoria. 60 Minutes this past Sunday interviewed over 30 young people who transitioned, but they felt led astray because lack of pushback or how easy it was to make physical changes to their bodies in just three months. They are now detransitioning. It's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies like 8040 and 8035 because it will damage children, defile, defile the holy image of God. I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion, it's lying to a child, it's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against our God. Help us, help us, Holy Spirit, to be able to give a reason for the hope that controls our life, that we're not, we're not naturalists, we're not postmodernists, we're Trinitarian theists, and we've been translated out of the cultural fads, the fleeting fashions of this world, and we've been translated into an eternal kingdom, and we serve a king who is the king of glory, and who defines what is truth and what is not. And, and, and so, so how do we prepare as students, you know? Um, well, here's some, and, and maybe I should have prepared a handout, but you can take notes. I hope, a few of you, John takes notes, he's got, he's got notes there, okay. So, number one, you know, write down and rehearse and make it part of your conversation testimonies of God's goodness in your life, in the life of others you know, the life of others you hear about, in history. Do you understand the testimony of the Lord is eternal? Those testimonies are ringing in heaven Abel's blood still is speaking, you know, and so, um, and so, and, and then go after worship, communion, and presence on a daily basis, like, like pursue it, take time, and some days it may be hard, you know, like, and it's not because God's not available, it's just like you're not, and sometimes I'm not, I want to be, have you ever been there where you really want, like, God, I really want to encounter you, and it's just not happening, Okay, well, you keep working on it, and most of the time it does, you know? So, and, and so 
worship, communion, the presence of God, rehearse those things so that it's impossible to forget not just what he's done, but who you are because of what he's done. Number two, like, like come up with your own ability to articulate your reasons for God, not just God's existence, but his centrality in your life. But you can start with, with reasons to exist, like, I mean, these, there are simple proofs that there, there must be a God. You know, like, first of all, anything that exists had a beginning, you know. So the Big Bang Theory was a big help to Christians because if, if someone's a naturalist and they believe in the Big Bang Theory, the, the universe is 14.7 billion years old, and I don't know how old it is, but it's like, but that becomes a point, like, well, where did it come from? And this stumps, and so... So atheists say, well, you know, it, it expands and it contracts, expands and contracts, expands and contracts e- eternally. Oh, really? How do you know that? Well, I just believe that. Oh, well, you have belief. You have a belief that deliberately excludes God and only acknowledges material and energy, but you have no answer for the source. Where did it come from? So just, see, these are little simple Things that you, you know, like you're not throwing them out because these often happen in conversations. But how about the complexity and order of the universe? The heavens declare the glory of God. Any, any complex, beautiful thing required a designer. You know, I mean, even a little tiny bug, even the functioning of a cell, even the miracle of DNA, you know, that if you uncoil it, it's like, I don't know, goes to the sun and back or something. You know, it's just, and it, it's in every single cell, not just in your body, but there's a version of it in the body of a slug. Oh, and this just happened, you know? Just, you know, and, and you know, of course, and how did life come out of, Rocks and water, you know, I mean, anyway, there's just, so, that, you know, this is the, the, an argument for the existence of God and for your faith in him from the design of the universe and life. Life is very complex, okay? How about this one? There's, most people have a sense of right and wrong, right? Even if, <laughs> I mean, they may have their own version of it that's really, like, far away from God's version of it, but but there are things that most people say, that's wrong. Where does that sense of right and wrong come from if there's not a source of right and wrong? Is it an evolutionary uh, thing, you know? I don't know. I mean, sometimes you think your dog feels guilty, maybe he's just afraid. I just <laughs> so th- this, this moral nature of human life argues for a creator who created us in his image. I'm just touching on some of these things. Purpose, like most people, hey man, what's your purpose? I don't have any purpose. You mean you have, there's no meaning to your life? No, nah, none at all, which is why, I mean, this is really a difficult, this is an issue that's the fruit of, of postmodernism and all kinds of other things. But most people go, what, do you have any goals? Yeah, you know, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. So every person, even if they think they don't have any goals, they have goals. Where do goals, goals, you know, insinuate there's purpose behind those goals? How did this purposeful um, part of life, where did it come from? If not from 
God who has purpose, you know, who has an eternal plan. And anyway, just on and on. So um, here's another one. And then this is really worth studying if you want to, uh, you know, bring people to Christ, not just to that there's a God, is that the, that, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is his crucifixion, his resurrection, his life. It, it is one of the absolutely most documented events in human history with abundance of witnesses and testimonies that were for him and against him, and, and there's no explanation for it except that it's true and it's significant and you know, so, so these are, okay. So God help you, help you, help you. But the thing is, you won't get this if, you know, if you just, you know, you, the high point of your week is watching um, America's Got Talent or something. I don't even know what the TV shows are, I'm sorry, but you know, but I, I know the, uh, you know, like 40 million people tuned in every week to, to watch these shows, we would tune in, not every week, but we would tune in, because it's fun. But people, we actually have time that we could study if we want to, and if we know how. And so, the same internet that is a nightmare, I mean, you know, like on, on a phone, you can, you can read the Bible and access glorious truths, you can, you can find pornography if you're looking for it, which will poison your life and your soul. You know, and other worse things. You know, I mean, just, but, but, but use everything that's around you for good. So maybe you say, well, I can't buy all those books and stuff, and I have a hard time reading. Man, there are amazing videos. There's uh, Theos U. Theos, T-H-E-O-S, U, uh, is like a, a little online Bible college that for $12 a month or something like that, you can subscribe to it. Our friends, Nathan and Gabriel Finocchio and their dad started this to teach, make theology accessible. Like, well, how will I learn all this stuff? That's a good place to start. Okay. Um, so here we go. And then, I, I mean, because my, our worldviews are shaped by the doctrines of our faith. So, okay. And that, so two virtues. The first virtue um, is a fearless love and a life worthy of the gospel. Second, a reasonable courage, that our, cur our courage isn't just bravado, but that we have a sound basis of it, our own testimony, the te you know, all of those things. And then here, that, that God, that we would develop a supernatural joy in our faith. And, and so, this is just a little story. Some of you have heard it before, I don't wanna torture you, but um, when Ann and I first arrived in Pennsylvania, and then through a series of cataclysmic events, I ended up as the interim pastor of Word Fellowship on 13th Street, which became Life Center, reimagined re and renamed a few years uh, after the Holy Spirit healed us. <laughs> but in that season, I, you know, I would be attacked on a regular basis, not by unbelievers, by believers, by pastors, by prophets. They, they would come and they would accuse me of that I, somehow I brought a spirit of Jezebel and that I, that I, you know, I somehow wanted to be the pastor. And, and I would reason with them, say, look, I don't even want to be a pastor. Number two, I don't want to live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, because <laughs> at that point, we didn't know anybody in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, except the people we had met in the church. And a lot of them were in pain at that time. And number three, if I wanted to be a pastor in Pennsylvania, I wouldn't pick 951 South 13th Street as the place to do this, you know? And so, 
So they go, yeah, that's reasonable, and they go away. But the accusation kept coming, and finally, I don't know how many of these encounters, they were all kind of draining, you know, and I was, you know, I'd, I'd say, look, here's the reality. They go, oh, okay, well, that makes sense, okay. But then it would come back, because it's a spirit, it's not the people. And the spirit had an assignment to bring accusation against Ann and me, it, it, and, uh, and it had followed us to Pennsylvania. <laughs> and so the... Uh, the assignment, not, the, not the, all the stuff, but that assignment. And so the final thing happened with, with two, a prophet and a pastor who returned. They had both seen me at least once before. And they brought an out-of-town pra- uh, prophet who told me he had a TV show in five states. And anyway, and he, he, was, and he, you know, he was there to convince me that somehow this was my fault and that I needed to vacate the office, which I was in at the bequest of the staff that felt orphaned, you know, and... And so in the middle of his, his exposition, he got anointed and he stood up and he was, and he was an Italian guy, he's wearing a black suit with a, a tie and he's sweating and spitting in my face and, and uh, not, not on purpose, but just by virtue that he is a preacher and a yeller. And, uh, and so in the middle of this, I say, I have this little silent prayer. This is the prayer. Jesus, this is really hard. And I hear these words, rejoice and be glad which was his instant response to my distress. And so I recognized it as part of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, um, Matthew 5, 12 and 13, or 5, 11 and 12. And, and so I, I raised my hand, I said, Mr. Prophet, this, I think his name was Mike, but I'm not sure. I said, let me, um, I just remember something important I have to do. And so I, I'll be back in a few minutes. So I ran to the other corner of the building, closed myself up in a little room and I this I was in pain you know this was not fun and so I went in there and by discipline I said thank you Jesus thank you Jesus oh this is really great Jesus thank you hallelujah how do you rejoice and be glad when you feel terrible Jesus hallelujah 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 and then I you know I like the gift of speaking in tongues, it starts, sharika, barika, rika, rika, barada, hallelujah. And somewhere in the middle between my effort and God's goodness, I got inundated with a flood of joy that changed everything. You know, it was like, whoo, I feel, you know, like, I feel it, you know. I did feel it, you know. I mean, I felt something like this, this glorious, you know, like a, a, a carbonated, effervescent foam of joy just kind of washed me down. I went through the car wash. I got all that crud off of me and out of me, and I was filled with joy, and I came back to the office and sat down. This all happened in a few minutes. Was it you, Brian, that said you walked by and wondered what I was doing in that room? Yeah, because he heard me in the room. Or was John? Okay, John, sorry. It was John. John was always in the right place at the right time. And so he heard that and thought, I thought he had a meeting. You know? And I did. I had to have another meeting to get healed from that meeting. So then I went back to the meeting, and the guy, you know, he had kind of lost his steam. So they ended it with a few you know, somber and sober warnings, and they left. And here's the deal. It never happened again. Because that supernatural joy and that, you know, it's faith. It's faith <laughs> That, you, that brings you into that place of deliverance. He spoke to me and I acted on it. Rejoice and be glad. And I connected it to 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Even if they're Christians. These are good guys. I like all these guys. You know, they're not evil. They just, we get caught up in stuff. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. I thought, oh my gosh, this is happening to me not because God wants to torture me, not because I got stuck in Pennsylvania and I didn't know how to go, not because, not because, not because, not because of any other reason than I have a great reward in heaven. And so I went back in there and thinking like, this is good. Now I will say after they left, I think I went out, I think Rick Pace might've been there. I, at least he wasn't one of these. I remember kind of going out to, lunch at some place and eating, and I was pretty thrashed, even though I'd had the victory. But you know what? Isn't that how it is? You can win a fight, but then after the fight, you're kind of like. <laughs> and I was, but the thing is, the fight had been won. And my fight, you know, that victory and the victory you guys get is the victory for everybody. You know, your victory becomes the victory for the whole body. Okay, stand up. I just wanna pray for you that you would always remember <laughs> that the Lord said that he would never leave you nor forsake you, that he is your helper and you have no fear of what man can do against you. And I wanna particularly pray for uh, those who, you know, you know um, there's some pushback. You may experience it at work, you may be a teacher, you may be a business owner, you may be involved in the medical world, there are many other things where, you, where you're already running into some persecution and, and kickback, and it's always been there, but we're just in a season where there's pushback and there's advance. And so if you're in that place where you know God, I am, I'm getting hit and I need your strength. I want you to raise your hands and I just wanna release this for every one of you because, you know, <laughs> God forbid, there could be worse laws yet that get passed and we, might, you know, we may all be raising our hands all the time, but, but God you know, is not at all intimidated by this. So Holy Spirit, I pray you would come upon your people Come upon all of us, but come up especially upon these ones, these students, these teachers, these employers, these employees, these doctors, these attorneys, these people engaged in life. Would you come upon them with love and power? Would you give us this supernatural grace that we would live lives worthy of your calling? That we would, we would stand together as one man with one mind that we would, we would stand with joy and unafraid. God, we pray for this. We pray that you would help, God, you'd give us a supernatural hunger to study your word and the, the theological and philosophical foundations of this kingdom you've brought us into. We pray that we would be a mighty army of love that we would understand we're in this world, but we're not of this world, that we would live as ambassadors for Christ, that your appeal would be made through us, not with anger, defensiveness, 
but with love and humility. We pray for supernatural protection and blessing over the body. We pray that, that we would be a people full of hope, God, that we would, we would have Velcro ears for good news and we would have Teflon coatings for bad news. God, that we would be encouraged, encouraged, encouraged. In Jesus' name, can you shout amen? Amen. 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 Jesus! <laughs> He's the Lord of glory and the Lord of history. So I just wanna send you out with a blessing. May the Lord bless you. May he protect you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you in every moment that you'd be hidden under the shadow of his wings, that you would be protected by the shield of faith. Father, that you would know he's hearing your prayers and that his peace would be upon you as you bear the name of Jesus in this world. Amen, amen. <laughs>